Hey y'all, it's your favorite host, and I wanted to just pop in here to say, uh, if you're enjoying the show uh, and you'd like to give us some support, the best way to do that is through Patreon. Uh, I've launched the Patreon with a couple of tiers. There's a $3 tier, which gives you access to the Discord, and you come hang out with uh, me and the other friends inside of that, uh, and just kind of talk the show, talk a bunch of different nerd stuff. And then there is a, another tier, an $8 tier, uh, where you can get early access to episodes ad-free. Um, you will also get free access to all uh, micro-RPGs that I create in the future. Yeah, so again, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Um, if you'd like to give additional support, that's one way to do it. Another great way to do it is just, you know, go on to whatever platform you're listening to and rate the podcast, subscribe, uh, follow, leave a review if you can. Um, those things really help gain visibility for the show, and it is always greatly appreciated. Link is in the description. Thank you so much, and back to the episode. Welcome to the Secret Nerd Podcast, where we think everyone should play tabletop RPGs and give you some reasons why. With me today, I am very excited to talk to this guest. Um, she is a podcast producer, editor, and actor. And even though I've had two supposed hosts of the Blurred and Mouth podcast, I have the actual host of the Blurred and Mouth <laughs> podcast here with me today. <laughs> so yeah, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, uh, I'm Kestrel. I'm the hidden boss of uh, Blurred of Mouth. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm involved with a couple of like TTRPG projects and just like podcast projects uh, that are outside of the TTRPG space. Yeah. Uh, my pronouns are she, they, um, and I'm happy to be here today. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, sorry, CJ and Oleander. Um, don't hate me. This is all, <laughs> all for the sake of fun. Um, but oh, yeah. I'll get over it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, so, you know, where I always like to start is just how did you get into nerd stuff in general? Oh man, um, I watched a lot of cartoons when I was nice. a kid. Um, mm -hmm. But I, while that was mostly just, oh, I'll go out of that one day, um, and maybe I'll get like I want do other things. Um, I didn't really like understand what nerd stuff was until um, I, me and my uh, brother were sent to this childminder uh, or like this sort of babysitter where, while okay. our mom was at work, uh, who got us into like anime for the first time uh i watched a lot of beyblade as a kid and then like they had a whole bunch of beyblade toys that we could play with um they had a whole bunch of like consoles uh, as so was my first time like playing on a ps2 yeah. um seeing a playstation one it's like oh so there is there's so much to this sort of stuff yeah uh, and ever since then i've just sort of been like uh sort of like into that uh and a lot of it has just been like uh, watching a whole lot of anime uh, growing up, the, my formative years have been like Naruto, One Piece, Bleach, that sort of stuff, yeah. uh, Dragon Ball. Mm -hmm. And now I, uh, <laughs> now I'm still super into that sort of stuff uh, yeah. with like probably no chance of getting out of it. No, it's, uh, 
even now, like I think I missed, I missed out so much on anime, especially when I was younger and I've just been like powering through, uh, a bunch of different stuff. Um, but yeah, some of it is, is, I mean, a lot of it is really amazing. Uh, I particularly only watch anime where people fight at least once every Mm -hmm. two, (laughs) two episodes, if not every episode. Um, uh yeah i haven't got into like the slice of life or sports anime yet oh my god you need to watch uh haikyuu whenever you get the chance to it's That's just like <laughs> yeah. i don't even like volleyball in real life <laughs> <laughs> i thought i don't like volleyball well i didn't think i liked volleyball either i don't like a lot of real life sports my dad has constantly been trying to get me into like football when i was younger yeah. wasn't into it or oh, soccer sorry yeah um <laughs> <laughs> but God, there is something about like because it's never just like the sport, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the way that like the interpersonal drama and like the individual like ambitions are communicated through the narrative, um, and and the highs, the epic highs and lows of anime volleyball. Um, it, it's so beautiful to watch. I feel like anybody who wants to experience great emotional storytelling. A uh, brilliant character development, and like where no one in the story is like a world-ending antagonist, where like even the quote-unquote bad guys are people you still want to root for. Sports mm. anime is the way to go, especially Haikyuu. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. I I mean, I don't really like basketball, and I've watched like every basketball movie that's come out. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, but I think there is like I I I can understand what you're saying. Like I think there's something special about the stories right and just using Mm. you know this sports goal or whatever as like the motivation to like drive the plot forward but then you still have all this other stuff around it um yeah i can see how that could be interesting so maybe one day i'll give it a shot right now i'm working on attack on titan and uh yeah yeah dealing with that insanity so (laughs) (laughs) i read the end of the manga I am the sort of person who will like read plot synopsises um, and just like skip to the end of something if I like if I find it interesting enough to yeah. know what's going on, but don't have the time or I'm too lazy to like actually like watch or read the story. Yeah, no, that is um, a lot is happening with Attack on Titan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really is, uh, and it's like you know I think what's interesting now too for me is that because I waited so long to get into anime, like everything I still have like this kind of knowledge about stuff right like i've seen like Mm -hmm. you know naruto in his final form if you will um before i ever watched the show so it was like waiting to like oh okay like when does that happen um (laughs) you know what i mean or i've seen like a list of like absolutely yeah these are specific titans from this family and i'm like oh okay so when does that happen in the show what 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 is happening here like oh can we get to that bit already like i I love all this like build up but like What's the exciting stuff? Yeah. No, you're like, sure. wait a minute, that name sounds too familiar. Why are you yeah. <laughs> Or like you'll like be scrolling through TikTok or like just like on whatever social media platform mm-hmm. and like you'll see people talking about this like epic character death and it's like, hold on a second. Yeah. <laughs> should I be should I should I be here? Yeah. No, yeah. I only recently joined TikTok. Um and when you first join, at least for me, like the experience was like just a lot of like who people girls who look like they were underage uh and dressed like they were overage um doing stuff so i was like okay not interested because i'm not like i've been married right. for 13 years i don't need that drama in my life right. um 
and like I said, they look like kids and I'm 33 years old. Um, and, uh, so it was a lot of skipping that. And then it was just like, I just got pages and pages of anime videos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, so yeah, I was like, a lot of it was like, oh, this is like, a, this is a badass fight, you know? And, um, and oh, so, well, yeah, this from, yeah. yeah, exactly. And so it just kept on, uh, going through that. And then now it's just, uh, black creators, just artists and musicians doing cool Absolutely. shit. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a very weird algorithm. Me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to be very involved with like specifically Dungeons and Dragons TikTok. Yeah. Um, took like a break for a year from posting any sort of content, and now my entire f- uh, for you page is just not only just anime content, but very specifically Jujutsu Kaisen uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. stuff. Which like, I'm not complaining. Yeah, that's another <laughs> one I just finished recently too. Um, <sighs> so what, do you think? Yeah. what did you think? I, at first I was kind of like, okay, this is kind of weird. And then mm-hmm. I was like, okay, this is, this is badass. It, like they, um, the animation is so cool. Uh, the story is pretty interesting. I like, I love the characters. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just fun. I love how there's always like that one broody character. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you know, oh. I can't remember his name now, but um, my heart goes out to Junpei. Um, and I love uh, Megami. Um, yeah. Funnily yeah, enough, Megami, about yeah. that, um, yeah. <laughs> um, me and CJ, uh, Scholastic Dragon, have yeah. been keeping up with the manga together. Like, we've been sort of updating each other whenever a new chapter comes out. Yeah. Um, we both really love it to the point where, like, we started to try to make a game for it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we're in the process of, like, working out what. Me- mechanics would even look like for that uh and i'm like trying to organize a play test for it uh at the moment but yeah we have i'm so in love with uh jjk it's taken over yeah. like most of my life right now yeah it's such a cool concept mm-hmm. it's always interesting too like in those stories where it's just like yeah this is just like a normal person but they can like do these insanely powerful mm-hmm. things even before they get powers um <laughs> and it's like all right yeah i accept this this is fun yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> i've officially turned off like my, my yeah. suspension of disbelief engage let's do this yeah yeah and it's just yeah i mean like so many interesting ways that they they do a lot of that stuff and um god it's such a yeah it is a good show but isn't it funny now like when you start to like design games you can't look at media especially like anime or things like that. And it's like, like I'm watching attack on Titan and I'm like, okay, how do you make a mm-hmm. TTRPG where you can get the feel of using ODM gear, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it would just have to be narrative based. Right. But then what are you rolling for? Is, you know, like yeah. <laughs> and your I, brain just, it's intimidating, uh, especially because um, CJ's made so many like games in such yeah. a short amount of time. Calm down CJ. Yeah. <laughs> for real. I, <laughs> um and i've i've never like designed like outside of the odd homebrew i've done when mm. i've been like a gm for like uh, D back in the day yeah um like i i did a little homebrew i haven't actually done any sort of game design before so it was my first time really trying to like think about yeah how do you create mechanics for sensations mm-hmm. how do you prioritize like gameplay or like narrative feel what philosophy and assumptions do you lead with? Do you try to communicate? It's so much uh, that I didn't realize people were, like making careers off of. And like to every single one of those people, a cat's yeah. off to you. Um, yeah. It's incredible what you do. Uh, yeah, seriously. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> uh, and it's, yeah, it just, uh, you know, absorbs it. And I've noticed too, so many people uh, in the 
TTRPG space that I've talked to are um, neurodivergent in some way, uh, mostly ADHD. But so there's a lot of hyperfixation that goes on in this space of just like, right? Oh, we're just gonna like figure out how to make this thing work, and and uh, in CJ's case, just make every game. Really <laughs> <laughs> it's really it's been really interesting working with them um i've been p- pursuing my own um like potential adhd or like autism diagnosis mm-hmm. um because one too many of my own experiences don't align with like most people i know in real life and yeah. align too closely with all of my friends who are neurodivergent um <laughs> yeah. so so this maybe there's something um but yeah no i've definitely seen the very similar sort of thing where it's like uh, so yeah the, this hyperfixation has taken place uh or this like special interest mm-hmm. that you've like cultivated over years like you've been able to, to utilize to great effect uh when it comes to like creating games to being mm-hmm. a role player to like making podcasts who knows um yeah no <laughs> it's um <laughs> yeah it's very interesting yeah i mean i think like people who have especially listen to my show from the beginning uh, can probably like listen to me, talk it out like mm-hmm. the journey of like, you know, I think I am. Um, I've always kind of wondered. And then to being like, okay, well I actually talked to a therapist <laughs> like confirmed. Right. Right. Yeah. I am on the spectrum. Um, and, and a part of that too has been meeting people. Right. And, and like I reached out to one friend and was just like, you know, thank you for telling me the story because it, encouraged me to like go get an actual answer um because especially when i was younger like it was hard to feel different and feel out of place and not know an answer why and then mm-hmm. the answers you get typically because you know i'm a black male uh with low resources was like misdiagnoses of other things or um you know no diagnosis and just like blown off and stuff like that and so yeah that it can be very frustrating. Yeah, extremely rough. Um, yeah. And I remember as well uh, here in the UK, I I don't remember the validity of this, uh, like not law, but like legislature, or whatever yeah. that was put yeah. into effect. Uh, essentially, that was like, oh, people who are like diagnosed with autism have a do not resuscitate order of them when like COVID was first like going around. Right. Oh my God. And so it adds to that sort of like uh, the, the, all the intersections of mm-hmm. marginalization uh, and the way in which all of those make you in some way a victim to like your surroundings. You were just sort of at the mercy of like the people who have power of you um mm. at one point it could be like medical racism that like gets you or it could be medical labelism and it's like it's just why i've been in my own way sort of like worried about like pursuing any sort of formal diagnosis or even just like sort of going out and interacting with um any like formal systems uh, uh um of like medical analysis or what have you um, yeah but yeah no it's um pretty rough yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You got to like use uh, one of those online systems where you can just be completely remote. Yeah. No, you can't track that shit back to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that that is honestly so awful, though. Um, I mean, there's so many things going on right now uh, that are extremely ableist and, and creating a lot of issues for folks. But yeah, that's that's a pretty extreme one. Um, mm. 
Because I think it's one thing, like, yeah, it's just awful to take away anybody's choice when it comes to that. You know, just because you have Absolutely. some label, you now are not worth trying to <laughs> revive. That's bizarre. Yeah. But, excuse me, on a brighter note, when did you first get into TTRPGs? Like, how did you get introduced? <laughs> okay, you've probably heard this a million times already, um, but it was the McElroy's in the Adventure Zone. Okay. Um, yeah. Most, yeah. Which, I mean, okay. I just want to, I think I've yeah, mentioned yeah. this before. I just think it's so bizarre, because when I listened to that show, I was just like, I, 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 don't, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> and what I know it's like, yeah. good. I'm not trying to take anything away from it. I no, just no, no, like, no, yeah. It just seems so in- bizarre to <laughs> me. Anyway, go ahead. A, an acquired taste. I will not fault yeah. you on that. And like, there, there's a bit of a story behind it for me as well. Um, I spend a lot of my free time, um, like I have spent a lot of my free time in the past just sort of watching YouTube videos. I had a tendency to like work myself pretty ragged uh, back when I was like in school full-time properly yeah um and the only like it got to a point where like i couldn't be i didn't want to be around people very often because it's like so many of my interactions were just like hey when's this deadline dude have you done this work yet like and just like a whole bunch of group group project type of things yeah um that was like okay my only reprieve from work is to be alone and to just like mindlessly watch youtube videos Mm -hmm. and for a really long time i was consuming like McElroy content that was not like TTRPG based. Okay. Um I was watching their like back when they were some of them were game journalists. Um mm-hmm. I was watching uh something called like Monster Factory where they went to character creators and made weird little guys. Yeah. Um and so much of my like uh interest was like put into them that like I started like expanding a little bit of like looking out branching out to see what else they were making and i came across this like one hour like one to three hour long youtube video called the adventure zone with like this really weird art uh for the thumbnail i was like what is this it's got the same like mackerel name on it like i'm gonna put this off for a little bit i don't want this i I want more of this stuff that i've been watching uh like fast forward like a couple of weeks i like i'm like half asleep a phone like right in front of my face as I'm lying in bed, uh, and I'm like, I've got time. Like I may as well. Like, what, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, and then hooked I- immediately. Hooked. It was my first time ever like listening to or watching um, an actual play of any mm-hmm. sort. So I'd know yeah. what was really going on, um, and it really helped as well that like they also presented as like not knowing the rules of the game very well. So it felt like a collaborative experience almost between the like yeah. listener and uh player and just like, oh, this is this is a really fun time. Um so I listened to all of the balance arc um as like I, I caught up with the episodes that were like being released at that point and was like able to listen live as like the finale of the first like uh campaign came to an end. And I was yeah. like, I was hooked. I I I didn't I, I knew what Dungeons and Dragons was now. I bought it to my friends like, we have to play this immediately. Um yeah. I went off and watched the first campaign of Critical Role uh and did like a very similar thing with that. Like caught up to that first campaign. I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch all of this. And for a good couple of years from the ages of like I think 16 to 18-ish, I I just loved Dungeons and Dragons. It was yeah. And that was how I got into it. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, that's so cool. I uh I think that was another thing that really was just like 
I, that, that made me move on. There was a few things that helped me move on. Um, one, I've talked about this before, but like I really wanted at the time POC yeah, yeah, yeah. actual play content. And and I immediately knew that this that the McElroys were not <laughs> were not gonna give me POC uh, actual play content. So I was like, okay, I'm uh that's not it. Um but the other thing that like and this is just like a weird thing about me, like I don't like to be told what to do, mm-hmm. uh, which has nothing to do with this, but like another pet peeve of mine is like people who are quote unquote famous but i don't know why they're famous i'm like i yeah you're just like not gonna so, watch them like out of like not even spite but just like yeah so what like I'm like yeah yeah and so it's like you know it's like well we're the mcelroys i'm like who the fuck are the <laughs> <laughs> and i was like nah it's fine <laughs> uh, again mm-hmm. nothing against them at absolutely at all it was just like at the time it was just not for me mm. um and i've just never gone back um and the same thing with like at the time i found nadpod too which pe- tons of people love and watching fantasy high mm-hmm. i really enjoy murph and uh and emily but um yeah at the same time i i turned that on cuz you know at the time it was like when you typed in D&D, it was the big shows that popped up critical role mm-hmm. natpod uh adventure zone and the same thing i was like all right nope natpod's not for me either and just kept going um and yeah it's just funny like so many people are like Especially so many black people are like, oh, yeah, I love the Avengers Zone. And I'm like, that is just so yeah. <laughs> interesting to me because I really just yeah. feel like it is the farthest from black that we could get no, for in real. terms of an actual play. And funny thing as well is that, like, I, if it wasn't already obvious, I grew up in a, like, I grew up in and still live in a very white town. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, for it's the not lo- obvious, but yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, you. it's it's England. I just assume it's all white. I don't even blame it. Yeah, yeah, no, fair. <laughs> Um, but like without, it's a shame because almost without questioning it, when I was growing up so much of like, not necessarily the shows I was watching, um, but the people I was surrounded by and the Mm -hmm. way that like I had to engage in conversations, uh, and even the expectations that were like, I sort of took from other people. It was all very like white, unfortunately. Um, and so when it came to like, looking for content creators uh before i even thought of myself as a content creator um i just sort of like very naturally uh, um found and engaged with white people because that's who my friend my very white friends were engaging with already mm-hmm. and that was how yeah. i like kept stayed a part of the conversation like uh and like stayed relevant within my friend groups at the time um, yeah no, yeah, I, I, I totally understand that because I, I experienced a lot of that same thing, um, too. Like, so that I'm curious about that. Then, like, which part of uh, of England did you grow up in? Okay, so, gosh, I hate explaining this because it's I. So I live in this like small little town called uh, Dunstable, uh, okay. which n- people from England haven't heard of. So okay. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's like an hour away from uh like london it's like closest um train station um but it's sort of like a small town in such a way that it doesn't have like its own train station um you need to take a bus into like the next town over just like get out of like the area in the county um and we live like next door to uh the town i believe with either the highest teen pregnancy rate or the highest um 
I don't think it's the highest knife crime rate, but there was some there was something <laughs> about like the next time over. And I know that's like a, yeah. f- a stereotype, like knife crime in England. It's like okay, yeah, fine. Um, <laughs> um, but there was something that like the next time over, it was not known for a good thing, effectively. So yeah, like that sure. that is, but it's a very sort of like white sort of not middle class suburban area, and that's yeah, this is sort of where I've been for the last like more than half my life at this point. Um, yeah. Yeah, nothing significant yeah. I mean, about this place. Don't so. don't feel don't don't feel too bad. My the town that I grew up in was nicknamed like for everyone who knew it as Ghetto Lake. So that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and there was a lake there, but it was empty the entire time that I grew up. Oh wow. Um, so yeah, a little man made. Uh, it was probably closer to a pond, to be honest with you, but um, there wasn't anything significant there. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty awful. Um, but yeah, so, you know, growing up in that, in that town and just like kind of absorbing media the way that you did, when do you think that you started to uh, realize or, or um, kind of have a hunger for content that was more representative of who you are? Oh, gosh. Um, okay, so I think there was always like the desire to have like content that reflected like at the ve- ba- at the very minimum, just of people who looked like me, uh, but it mm-hmm. wasn't something I could like fully realize or even communicate to the people around me until yeah. I left for university for the first uh, two years. Um, it was my first time being in a place that was like uh, sort of multicultural uh, yeah. from the outset. I met a whole uh, bunch of really cool people. Um, and I try to think of like when specifically I started engaging with that. I tell to tell the truth, I don't think it really hit until the pandemic hit. Uh, mm-hmm. Until like everything was like shut down, and the groups that I had like started to join up with uh, at my school, I no longer had access to um, in the same way. Yeah, and that's when I went to TikTok properly for the first time, and that was, I think, when I first realized properly, oh, there is content I can engage with made by people like me, um, who are so much better at like communicating their experiences than me. Yeah, um, and it. Uh, oh gosh, when was this as well? And I got my first opportunity literally last year when i uh was invited to play in a game in the ephemeral forest mm-hmm. with my first ever like full group of just people of color mm-hmm. um and it felt great uh, <laughs> it, 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 it for the first time was like oh something inside of me feels like it's healed uh, I I I feel like I'm yeah. taking a breath of fresh air for the first time, um, and it's just sort of been pursuing that uh, ever since uh, working with like uh, all the projects that I have been, or f- most of the projects that I have been. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it definitely is a an amazing feeling. Um, I think uh, God, the first time that I saw Blackness and Dragons on screen, um for me was just amazing and then i got to play with them and that was like 
I was over the moon about that. Um, and the same thing with the Everrealm. Like, yeah, yeah. Your episode you know, like, like a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely, yeah. And, and you know, when I first listened to it, I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is incredible. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, yeah. I mean, I use whatever platform I have to just try to, like, uplift any project that has uh, – POC voices or or marginalized voices because it's so important. Um, Absolutely. To add to that, yeah. Um, so I have, for the better part of, of I think six years ish now, uh, or a bit more, I've been super into like studying media. I uh, when I was able to sort of pick it uh, as uh, an additional sort of thing in school uh, when mm-hmm. I was going to university, I did media production. Um, I when I spoke earlier about sort of having this knowledge that I was missing something, my goal was effectively to work within the industry in order to work specifically to bolster the voices, the stories, uh, um, and the works of like people of color. Um, and that sort of evolved over time to be, I specifically want to work on like projects led by and starring like people of color Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until like my first project, I believe, a year ago. Uh, this was before um, Blood of Mouth, uh, Laurel's Traditions, where yeah. that became the case. Um, but then, obviously, working on Blood of Mouth was the first time that I got to work on like a fully black project. And yeah, it, it, I just know that I want to keep doing more of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I. I I could gush about blurred mouth all day, um, <laughs> but I just seriously I remember yeah. like sitting the first time the first episode came out like sitting on my bed just folding clothes, air, AirPods on and just like smiling ear to ear uh, as CJ and Oleander talked about um, the Blue Ranger and it's just like this is the best yeah. thing that's ever happened. <laughs> and they're both so uh, funny as well. They are, yeah, and and the dynamic uh, between them and in the dynamic with you and them on the show, like I just love, I just love it, and I love you know how they switch things up in between seasons and and you know introduce even more uh, content creators, some more black creators, and yeah, it's it's just, it's a great ride. So I'm excited that uh, that you got to be a part of it, um, and then I learned about you from it uh, because <laughs> I think more people. Hey, listen, listeners, if you guys have an editor, <laughs> fucking talk about your editor because that shit's hard. <laughs> yes. And, uh, oh, my God. Be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thinking back to it, uh, when CJ first approached me to like work uh, as an editor on, editor on Blood of Mouth, um, I think I was working on two other projects concurrently at that time, both as an editor. Uh, yeah. That was Monster Fuckers Anonymous and Laurel mm-hmm. Traditions. Um, so I was spending literally like weeks at a time just like copying from like one episode for something to another to another. And like I'm fine doing that. Like I've literally I've spent like the last six years learning how to do that. Um yeah. but it's still like time, right? Yes. Where you're having yeah. to make people sound really good. Um and a lot of my um experience beforehand for school specifically was video editing, not specifically audio editing. So yeah. there was a bit of uh, some growing pains uh learning how to like make people sound good um and like there was also the creative aspect when it came to blood of mouth specifically um yeah 
some of my favorite work comes from uh, some of the episodes there as well. Uh, specifically, whenever CJ goes off on um, like their uh, predictions for like one of the following episodes, because <laughs> yeah. that's where I got to like sort of flex a little bit about like, okay, what what do I want to do to make this sound a little bit more um, interesting? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and then like in this last week as well, all these last couple of weeks, I've been finishing school, been starting up my own project, and uh, I had like a whole bunch of uh, other people's like episodes to edit as well. Yeah, editing is a full time job. If you do have an editor, be kind to them in the way that yeah. uh, Oleander and CJ have been kind to me. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it was the uh, the the Genlock prediction that might have been my favorite one because it was just so yeah it definitely sounded like so like ah and then you get to the next episode and you're like oh oh (laughs) yeah this is worse than we thought oh gosh yeah it's uh i'm not involved in the a little behind the scenes Uh, i'm not involved with the like picking a show Mm -hmm. uh process and so i don't i don't always have the time to like watch things with them but i will see you when like i will see their written reactions to whatever they've watched and yeah gosh it was so funny seeing just how disappointed they were with genlock because i don't blame them (laughs) from the description they gave oh that's sure I know, and I'm like, well, I'm kind of interested to see like how bad it is myself. Right, yeah, I don't also, but also I know I don't need to watch it. Yeah, exactly. Like, yes, I want to support you, Michael B. Jordan, um, mm. but don't do this to us. I'll just please. watch Black Panther a couple extra times, yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> For sure, go put on Creed. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Um, yeah, so. Last year is when you first started doing editing. Um, yeah, or like I guess more specifically, the end of like 2020. But yeah, okay, yeah. Time isn't real. Truly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's super cool. I think uh, it, it, as a person who edits my own podcast, I definitely there definitely is a learning curve. Um, and then too, you know, software makes a difference. Uh, equipment makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And so it's like every time I change something, I'm constantly having to learn a mm-hmm. new thing or new settings. Um, I just got a, a, this mic that I'm using now is a new mic. And I'm going to edit the first episode I've used it on this week. <laughs> and so oh, it should be yeah. easier, hopefully. But um, there will still be stuff that I have to figure out best of luck to that yeah um oh when it comes to editing um i i have access to only some of the bad like essentials and i i'm someone who gets very stuck in their ways so i've been using this really i know it's a bad setup as well i what what i do is i take all of the initial audio i get i put it into audacity and i like clean it up a little bit um but because audacity is very annoying to use I will yes. take like the initially like treated stuff, like I'll like compressed a little bit, uh, normalize a little bit, and then I'll put it into GarageBand, um, and then I'll do like all of my like uh, EQing there. Um, and I I know that like it's an arduous <laughs> process. It takes so I know, much. Time. You're stressing me out so much. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, I know it'd yeah. be so much easier to just get, like, Logic Pro or something. Um, or just do it all in GarageBand. I, or just do it all in GarageBand. <laughs> but the problem is, GarageBand has some, some really useful things. Audacity, I will admit, has some very useful things that GarageBand doesn't. Mm. So it's like, oh. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like, that's a, I've, I've divided that process over like the course of the year and a little bit that I've been like, um, editing and I think it sounds okay. Um, it yeah. could be better. Um, <laughs> I, I will be the first to admit that, but yeah, no, it's, um, it's a fun little, uh, not even hobby. It's like a fun job, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, uh it, I've come to realize it's also very much like a bit of an individual process there's obviously like mm-hmm. things that you can do to um best optimize like uh, uh your time work efficiently and get the best mm-hmm. end product but yeah. you're also working with like different voices different equipment and that requires different inputs uh yeah yeah, I was listening to uh, Asians Represent, and uh, Daniel Kwan was talking about how he has presets now for all of his co-hosts. And I was like, I should really use presets for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just like, I kind of just know. I'm like, okay, yep, I throw the equalizer in this spot here, and this sounds good, yeah. and I turn it up to this amount, and we're good to go. And so like doing all like the pre, all of the pre-production stuff before I actually like edit what's in the thing Usually it takes me about 10 minutes, yeah. um, which, you know, has helped. When I used um, Audacity, when I first started this podcast, this podcast was originally made off of a Chromebook and uh, an Audacity. Um, how we got here is a miracle <laughs> of, of graciousness of, of my close friends and my wife's support. Um, but yeah, yeah. And uh so yeah, when I first used Audacity, I would like it would take me four hours to edit a single hour podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, just I just didn't. I I had such a hard time with it. But once you learn it, I think it yeah. like any system, right? It it, it kind of helps. Um, and depending on the how you learn to everybody out there, um, yeah, YouTube tutorials are your best friend. Yeah, people have been using Seriously. these softwares for years. Um, that's how I've learned basically everything I know. Um, that and trial and error. So yeah, just uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't be afraid yeah. of failing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Or or don't be afraid of looking stuff up. That is what. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. So I got to switch to uh, Adobe Audition, and that's nice. I was like, okay, I need to. Then you're like, oh, now there's too many toys. To <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me pull up this YouTube video mm-hmm. so I don't no, I don't screw this up uh, or make it more difficult than it should be. Oh gosh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, that's so fun though. So yeah, so now you've done a ton of stuff, um, kind of behind the scenes to help people out. But also, um, are you because you're a player in some stuff too? Are you, is that a stream podcast? Uh, oh, okay. So um, <laughs> while I was doing everything I was doing uh, with podcasts, and I will say as well, um, picking up blood of mouth, picking up. Multifacts Anonymous, that was more towards the end of last year. Uh, but for the majority of last year, I was a player on a stream um, on Starlight Tales, okay. uh, sort of a long-running campaign that is taking a hiatus at the moment, but should be returning later this year. Um, I was in a short uh, in a short-run campaign uh, on the ephemeral, ephemeral Forest, uh, yeah. which is sadly over now. But yeah, I've... But when it comes to like playing... Um, I'm not currently in anything, unless I'm okay. forgetting. 
I don't think I am, but I've done this before. You know, uh, yeah. I guess you have a game tonight. <laughs> no, don't don't do that because like you could be <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know what my schedule is most of the time. And I've got a meeting tonight, but not not a not a yeah. game like <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um yeah. Um but yeah, a lot of the games that I'm involved with are like sort of they're going to be happening later in the year. Uh whether I'm GMing yeah. or like playing. Um uh, yeah, but that's um yeah, yeah, no, that is it. Do you do you uh do you enjoy doing streams? Um I have a sort of not no, not a love-hate relationship. I do really enjoy being a player on streams. I love performing, um, especially mm-hmm. when I'm surrounded by like people that I know that I perform well with. Uh, that has been yeah. my uh, experience with the Starlight Tales uh team and with the Ephemeral uh Forest team. Um but I can never go back and look watch the streams I've been involved with because I hate the way that like I act and move a lot of the times, which is like <laughs> such a small thing, right? Like, um, yeah. but I also really enjoy the way, uh, because again, uh, of the years that I spent like in school for media production and stuff like that, I will always have a bias towards like productions that, uh, have a lot of pre-production put into it uh that are like recorded and like have a lot of post-production then put into it uh streams when i first started them i was definitely out of my element with the whole just sort of like everything that happens will just be out there forever (laughs) it's like it was just fine now but like at the time it was very daunting yeah yeah uh it's it is for sure like i still haven't really overcome my fear of of producing a stream Um, right and so being a guest on them is is fine but yeah i'm still like also i love stuff that is produced and um like post-production things Mm. like that and uh yeah it's interesting like watching a stream and just being like oh okay yeah this is how it works in the green where we're just like trying to figure out how the fuck this layout's gonna go and making sure everybody's (laughs) name tags are right (laughs) and uh making sure that shit doesn't move when we when we change screens um and i mean it i i enjoy it's a lot of fun to like see people's live reactions um, yeah in like a twitch chat and stuff like that uh of the things that we do um and that part's really cool but i i think if i ever went to any kind of video that i was in any way control of i would love to do like a pre-recorded video Mm -hmm. would be my desired option and like not even to say that like there isn't so much work that goes into being a stream producer like you've even touched on it yourself like you've got to be aware of so much at a time yeah when it comes to like you know being because i I will also say i've been doing stream producing for starlight tales as well for the past year uh and i've been doing it on enough even now uh that they have other streams that they do um that i'm not a player in uh, with that experience of like being vigilant of everything and recording things instead, I feel much more comfortable in like that. I uh, uh, in this sort of environment where then I know I can take what it has been recorded and I can play with it as much as I want, um, yeah. and a bit more a bit more freedom to transform it into whatever it is I want as well. I've challenged myself to create. Um, a ho- 12 different pitches for this year for at least once a month. And because I was a, I was a little ahead of that schedule a couple, of, uh, a couple of months back, 
uh, what I decided to do was record like a fake trailer uh, for like the game for myself. Yeah. Um, it was just like recorded voice lines, create a couple of assets in Canva uh, to some like static repeating video. Yeah. But like I, that wouldn't be possible without like the knowledge to do pre-production production then post-production yeah. um so yeah it's just a whole lot of fun yeah yeah i mean it's cool to see you know the the kind of growth of the mediums too and for me like now being a part of like the utopia discord to get so many different perspectives mm. of, on it and to just like you know i i never really get involved in a lot of stuff because i don't really have time to be uh cast in a ton of things especially yeah. for like recurring things um but i do like to like just check out the conversations uh <laughs> and see what people like the tips that people provide and things like that because um you know i never know when the day will come that i'll have more time but right. um yeah it's it's so much fun to just kind of see and and to experience you know a bunch of pocs creating stuff and helping each other figure it all out so we can make the a bunch of great products so and honestly utopia um has been doing some incredible things recently um yeah. i i i have not had the chance to interact with them directly but i every once in a while i will see like jess on my feed or basto mm -hmm. uh on my feed or like i'll see uh something they're helming in the server itself and yeah just i i always know that like something incredible is about to happen because of it like right yeah they, they've become synonymous with like okay uh people are about to see something very exciting it's yeah it's been very nice it's like seeing especially specifically people of color who have been able to cultivate a, a space like that uh for the rest of us to thrive in yeah for sure and i think I mean, they're such, they do such a great job of like managing and building that community um, where I am such an introvert, like that seems so daunting. And I'm so, I'm so grateful for, um, for Jess and for the other uh, amazing folks in the community that, that help out a lot that are like willing to use their extroversion uh and and yeah. pro and production skills to to <laughs> help the rest of us like figure it out like i mean without that without the uh god what was it the utopia bundle for creators mm -hmm. Day, i certainly want to have had my game in as many people's hands um because i just i don't promote stuff like i'm i'm very bad at like going out there and be like Hey, I made a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. so I just refuse because I'm like, that gives me anxiety. So I'm just going to not look at this. There's truly nothing more humbling than like standing face to face with an empty like Twitter uh, tweet thing you're about to send out. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I made a thing. And you just have to like sit there for a second. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, what am I doing? Who am I? <laughs> What Nobody's going to look at this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. That's why I, most of my Twitter time is spent just upping other people. Like I just try to be, you know, a positive force of mostly retweets or just like this person's awesome. And I think the rest of you should know this. Oh gosh. Yeah. And that's something I want to get better with as well. Cause when it comes, I, 
I'm so happy using like the retweet button, but when it mm-hmm. comes to like offering specific words, which are like words of endorsement, yeah. um, I, I always, I'm, I'm a freezer. Um, <laughs> I, I, I get to that point where I'm like, okay, here's something really nice I can say about like secret night podcast tales yet told, uh, 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 what can I say? What can I say? And then like, I just think to myself, oh, well, it's, it's going to sound, no one's going to want to hear what you have to say. Like, just, just retweet it and be done with it. It's like, what, okay. <laughs> I want to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> I think that's like one thing that I've become very aware of, uh, you know, as I become a creator in the space is like how much it makes a difference to yeah. people when you just tell them like, Hey, what you did really made me happy today. Or like, I really love it or whatever. Like anytime somebody is like, Oh yeah, you're friends with so-and-so like their show is so super cool. I'm like, Hey friend, like this person said this. And because it just like, yeah, we are constantly putting ourselves out there. Um, and even though we don't have to face every single interaction that somebody has with our our work, we still put it out there and just like hope that somebody gives us some kind of positive feedback. Um, so, true. You know? yeah. so I love, I love uh, getting the chance to just tell people um, how cool they are. And yeah. And I, I and so, yeah, I would just say uh, anytime you just, you're not sure, just be like, Hey, I love your show. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really, yeah. It has just got to be that like, it, it when in doubt, just send it out. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially if it's positive. Because yeah, I mean, I think it's, it, it makes such a huge difference. So yeah, that's, that's super cool. Um, you know, when it comes to, uh, cause you're talking about like pitching shows and stuff, like, is there stuff that you can or want to talk about that you're trying to get in the works? Oh my gosh. Okay. So, um, it's really funny. A lot of the pitches that I've written have specifically been written pitches for home games as like okay. a weird way of practicing to like actually get to the point of writing pitches for no, shows. That, yeah. yeah. There's nothing one sh- show, uh, one game that I did write as a pitch for a show, um, fingers crossed. Uh, I've already like sent it out to the people that I want to produce it with. Uh, that would be starlight tales and that hopefully should be happening later in the year. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, but in terms of like other shows that I've uh, uh, written to be pitched, um, I'm trying to think because like some of them uh, I would absolutely love to run as like. In fact, I have a whole sticky note section uh, on my computer for this. <laughs> I can tell you exactly what I've written. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Tell you what. Um, so last September, uh, as part of the Ephemeral Forest. Uh, I got to GM a game of interstitial uh, with a group of people who are now some really good friends of mine in the space. Mm. Um, And I recently wrote a pitch that sort of acts as like a sequel to that game. Uh, Very Kingdom Hearts inspired world hopping power friendship type game. I, My two moods when it comes to games are either like horror inspired or just very cheesy and corny. Um, there's nice. no in between for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but if I could like find an appropriate like, or just some place that would be like is looking to take in pictures, um, I'd be happy like um, putting that forward. Um, or even like, um, what else do we have here? <laughs> yeah, most of these are interstitial. One of them is a masks game. Oh, that's right. I did write a I did write a masks game that was uh intended to be a uh a, a streamed game or like a produced game like a show. Yeah. Um that I ran with some of my friends uh in a home setting uh, as like sort of practice for it because I'd never run like um I'd never run a masks game before. It'd been a while since I I'd, I'd done uh, the interstitial game last September, which is a lot of fun. Mm. Um yeah. So okay, so to go back over your your question, yeah, there are a couple of games I would love to run as shows. <laughs> I just forgot that I had some of them. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Interstitial is a game that I've heard a lot about that people like speak fondly of, but I I honestly have no idea what the game is. You've played like Power by the Apocalypse game before, haven't you? Uh, I haven't. <laughs> Funny enough, I oh. haven't had the chance to play. I own. Um, multiple uh never never had the chance to play but yeah i'm familiar with the mm -hmm. with the system um what's interesting about um what i find interesting about it um is that it uses like a health system as opposed to like a lot of the games that i've seen in power by the apocalypse are like condition your yeah. health is like condition based i will say i don't have a lot of like uh, 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 knowledge on like the Powered by the Apocalypse games that exist already. My like yeah. repertoire is like Thirty Sword Lesbians, uh, Monster of the Week, Monster Hearts, a, a couple of like fun ones, uh, Masks and Interstitial. But what uh, oh, what I love about Interstitial so much, fun fact about me, Interstitial is my favorite like TTRPG. Full stop. Okay. Um, what I love about it so much is its secondary system of um, tracking your relationships. Uh, you have like four stats in the game, light, dark, uh, heart, and mastery, I think. Um, I believe it's mastery. Uh, but your stats also have like four corresponding like uh, relationship types. Okay. Um, effectively, you build the game is about building relationships with um any like the characters that you meet um and then being able to sort of like leverage those relationships uh to like in a mechanical sense to like mm -hmm. help you with your roles down the future but you can also use that in like a narrative way to um explain like the way your relationship develops with someone the way like your connections with people fade away i think what I love about interstitial so, interstitial so much is its potential for like very interpersonal storytelling um, that just celebrates relationships. Um, yeah. When I ran the game in September, the we got to a point in the game where um, the characters therein had like gone through like trial and tribulation and had all like bonded. Uh, but I planned with one of the players. Uh, ahead of time that they would effectively die or like fade away to fulfill a condition that they needed to, to like win the game essentially um okay. to, to like save the world yeah uh, um and the way that like we got to end the game was with like one of the other players um i was gonna get very kingdom hearts for a second but one of the <laughs> other players uh holding them as they transformed into like the final weapon that they needed and after they like 
dealt the finishing blow, their friend in their hand fading away into nothing. Mm. And then we got like our little epilogue scenes where like they come back as a reincarnated uh like being uh and we got like a little happy end but it was like a bit bittersweet um yeah. if you want like the full context for it i think the streams are still up on the ephemeral forest because i cannot do that game justice in the team that we have here <laughs> um but yeah it's just, just i think it's a very beautiful game yeah that has a lot of potential for incredible shared storytelling that other games can do but not in the same way do you know when that game was made? Oh no, I don't. I'm not a real fan. Um, I mean, I can. I, no, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I can look it up. Yeah. The reason I ask, um, because as I've talked to more people and just like you know, getting exposed to more games and stuff that the community has made, um, I've noticed that, especially now through the pandemic, that a lot of games are built around interpersonal relationships around uh kind of communicating yeah, and yeah. and dealing with each other and i wonder if that is a byproduct of the pandemic and being quarantined from each other and like you know uh <laughs> it you know being separated from some friends but now finding new friends uh in places of you know that we could never we would never even think to like look or talk to um yeah. before um but it's pretty cool. Like I, I enjoy seeing, I'm actually working on a game um, that will have a lot of that stuff. Um, there's going to be a lot of things to it, but like the, the part of that is going to be that relationship between, you know, two to three people of just like dealing with stuff together right. and, and how that all plays out. That's, yeah. I, I don't know when the game came out, but that is a really good point that I hadn't considered. Um, and I think you're incredibly right. Like, I rarely leave my house for fear of um, bringing home, like, you know, uh, COVID or literally anything else. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, and that does make, like, building and maintaining relationships a tad bit difficult or more difficult than it was before. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's just something very comforting about, like, um, being able to play TRPGs that specifically center around building relationships, especially when they're small enough to like pick up and go. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I love small tables. I, I think it's fun to like get like a group of six or whatever together too, but like I'm, I'm happy with just like, oh yeah, there's just three or four of us playing this game. Yeah, um, yeah cool yeah let's do it <laughs> yeah. uh yeah why do we need a bunch because one i think it makes it easier for scheduling um two i'm an introvert so the less social battery i have to use True. Uh, the better um but definitely in those role play situations it's easy much like in much like people have complaints with like D and stuff of like okay these fights take too long i don't get to do anything for 30 minutes mm. um alternatively you could have really powerful role play moments in a show or a game uh where it's just two people talking oh yeah uh, yeah yeah you know for 30 minutes to an hour or whatever right um which is amazing to watch and listen to but there's also if you have more people than that in the show then it's like okay now as the dm you're trying to figure out like okay how do we move the spotlight over here <laughs> um you know those players might now feel pressure to 
you know, role play heavier or whatever. Like, you know, there's so many things that can go into it. Whereas yeah. like if we're just a small group and this game is like centered around our relationships with each other, then everything is golden. Um, That's really, um, I will say um, for as much love as I have for D and D well had, I still, I still like the game. Um, yeah, <laughs> but no, you're yeah. so right about the combat. Um, I where combat is so boring to watch if you're not involved with it. For me personally, I yeah. would happily sit in like a game streamed or not uh, for like an hour in just like silence. If like another player and the GM are like in this intense discussion or in character like role play moment together, um, yeah, because it's. A free, it's a free soap opera I get to watch right in front of me. <laughs> yeah. That I get to influence as well if I'm involved with the scene, which is like yes. so much more fun. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm the sort of person who some may call me a problem player uh, in a lighthearted <laughs> way, uh, but I really like to oppose the energy of like any sort of scene that's come before sometimes. Um, yeah. So if we have like heavy, intense scenes, it's really fun to like see that tension there and like break it with a little comical bit so that you, you, every, the energy like uh, gets flowing again and everybody's like in a different headspace and like we're all back in the same space. Or, yeah. uh, and I've had a lot of fun with this as well, but like whenever, when you can feel the energy sort of like moving to a lull in a role play scene, like getting to really explore parts of like the character you've made in these really heartfelt uh, um, character on character scenes, yeah, and just allowing that to be played straight—it's, uh, um, it's really fun. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I I have the hardest time, um, because I listen to so many shows. <laughs> yeah, once combat starts, I am like, because I'm doing other stuff too. I'm never just like sitting there. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> oh yeah, once combat starts, I'm just like. Shit, wait, what were they fighting? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the same, like when you get those moments of like really uh incredible role play, that's that's what makes it easier. Um, which is funny now, like I happened upon an audio drama by the Luna Company called Earth Eclipsed, and it was like you can go back and listen to uh Reggie reggie's episode on my show of just like the story of how i got into it but essentially reggie now and then uh, my other friend allegra they were actors in it and i listened to that show from beginning to end in one evening um once it finally came out and i was just like enthralled and really it's just like that's what role play is right it's not scripted um but it is that same sense of just like you're listening to this story unfold. Mm. Um, and there's, yeah, it's so incredible. Audio dramas do a great job of it. Uh, um, but yeah, if we like games then it's like, okay, well I, I do want some of them. Yeah, you know, absolutely. <laughs> oh my God. It's so, it, it's really difficult. Um, or at least I find it very difficult finding a good intersection between like the story elements and then like mm-hmm. the, like the fun, like gamey mechanics. Um, yeah. That like, all work pretty well together. Um, I've loved playing Powered by the Apocalypse games for their more narrative like uh, focus. Yeah. But D 
D&D has spell slots, it has <laughs> yeah. mechanics, it has combat, it's, like, it's so fun, yeah. Yeah, you can do 76 points of damage. It's like, I mean? who like, wouldn't want to do that? It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's like been my my new like focus of just like, when it comes to like making games, like that's trying to figure out that that beat of like, I want it to encourage heavy role play. But when the game mechanics need to come in, I want you to feel mm. like fucking so cool, so powerful. And like, I mean, I always go back to like the the second one shot that that I did where my or the first one shot that I did, excuse me, uh, where my buddy did 90 points of damage on a crit mm-hmm. with the cone of cold. And I'm like, yeah, like that feels so good. Like at the tape, like uh, we're on the call rather. We were just like, everybody was like, Oh my God. Um, Cause that's a quantifiable number. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can do my best to describe my ass off of like, you know, destroying somebody with this amazing explosion or whatever. Um, but there's always going to be that little part of my brain of like, but how much damage? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's this? Because that tell me, please. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, there's yeah, so many things. Like, I I love, I enjoy playing D and D five e. I really love Pathfinder, um, but I still have issues with both. And I think one of the things that is hard that I think takes away from uh, the immersion is like your character with one hit point is the same as your character with 126 hit points. Yeah. Like there's no conditional effect to you. Um, and unless you try to role play it. Right. But it's like, it's just, it's so silly to me that like, yeah, this character can move exactly the same way. They can do all the same things. They're not tired or fatigued. They're not slowed down. Yeah. Even though they're literally gushing blood from their body, their <laughs> intestines are, you know what I mean? Like, and it's like, okay, yeah. You um, took 100 points of damage in this turn. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go swing yeah. at it for my next one. It's like, what? okay. <laughs> yeah. Now get up and sprint, uh, do an acrobatics check over mm-hmm. this thing, uh, shoot an arrow as you're falling from the sky. Like, yeah, th- that part of it is is one part that really takes me out of the game understandably so yeah that i think like um like a great game for it like is another powered by the apocalypse game that i still haven't got to play but just reading through it is like cartel where it's like damage to you because you play as like cartel drug members Mm -hmm. and like damage to you is like based on the story whatever makes sense right so if the person tries to shoot you and they roll high enough that you get shot like how does that look? Mm. The GM doesn't have to like kill you all right, but like you're still screwed. So like, okay, now you're dragging yourself across the floor. Yeah. Content warning, sorry everybody. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, um, okay, now now you're in a situation that's like, you've suffered real consequences. Can you get out of the situation? Yeah. And I think anytime you're as a player have to like get out of your head to try to figure out a new way to solve the problem other than just like, attack three times i think that that makes such a better story in my opinion right i've um i've read through the stuff or some of the starfinder book recently um i the thing that like comes to mind is the way that does health uh like you have shields that increase with like your level but like you have a set amount of health right and i've never played starfinder but that seems really it seems like it nicely blends both those elements together that I'd love yeah. to like be able to play uh, with. Yeah, Starfinder um, 
is another game that I really want to play uh, as well. That, yeah, it just, a lot of that stuff is so cool. And then there's so many class options. God, we can yeah, get into yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Lots of that, yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that's where we'll stop for today for the recording, but I just want to say again, thank you so much for coming on. Um, thank you so much for all your support uh, ever since uh, discovering my show. I, I appreciate it like to no end, seriously. <laughs> Um, thank you for having me on yeah yeah and i love the work that you're doing and i'm you know glad that you're connected with with my other friends in the space yeah. and this is <laughs> a, a wonderful a wonderful thing so thank you yeah it's been wonderful like getting to speak to you for the first time yeah absolutely um yeah and sometimes i remember to do this so if you would like where can people find you oh okay so um I'm so glad I don't have any longtime fans because I recently changed my like uh, handle from OpenKey yeah. to Hollow Compass. <laughs> I know that's confused a couple of people. I will make an explanation at some point. But yes, uh, I'm Hollow Compass uh, underscore on Twitter. You can find me uh, under Hollow Compass uh, just flat out uh, everywhere else. If you want to see what I'm doing, uh, you can find my work on Starlight Tales. Uh, on Siren Hill Sings on Instagram and Twitter for the show that I'm producing, um, or just on most of the works under the nameless domain. Yeah. And Blurred of Mouth. And Blurred of Mouth, which falls under <laughs> the nameless domain. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just, like, we've got to make sure. Oh, no, for um, sure. Even though yeah. we've talked about them uh, multiple times in the show. But yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, and yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you would like to reach out to us, check out the many options on the Anchor app or anchor.fm on your browser. You can also reach us at secretnerdpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show, and if you'd like, leave a review to help us grow this thing. Until next time.